man, oh man, oh man. Welcome back, horror fans. It is Wednesday, 7.35 p.m. Central Time, and that means another episode of the Week in Horror podcast. The only podcast where we all go a little mad sometimes. We are coming to you live from our YouTube channel, so for all of you podcast listeners, be sure to check us out so you too can be a part of our live audience. This week we are covering select horror films released March 28th through April 3rd. Thank you all so much for joining us. I'm JL, and with me today is Eugene. What's up, everybody? And joining us tonight to dive into our horror selections is the Travel and Transportation Director for Texas Frightmare Weekend, manager of the online VHS store at FrightmareHQ.com, and co-host of the Frightmare HQ show, special guest, Charles Doze. What's up, studs? What are you guys doing? Doing good, doing good. Oh, yes. Making, I guess making shows, man. Printing money. <laughs> you, guys are, you guys are looking One saucy today. Time. Oh, thank you. You guys right. are so saucy. Well, I'm mainly talking to Eugene over there, but you know, it's all right. <laughs> How you doing right. over there? How you doing over How there? You, doing? You, got them, uh, you got them percolating yet? <laughs> like, Ooh, I know right. I am. Oh, got I, the corn nibblers all ready to go. Every time I see him pop up in OBS, it's like, mm, I know I'm doing you're this like, show. Do you, like, do, you like flip, do you like turn him on and off so he just keeps popping back in? You're like, yeah, do it. Do it. Ooh, ooh, ooh. All right. All right, that's got right. creepy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and go now. I'll see you later. And I'm going to let myself out. I'm gonna let myself out here. Oh, I didn't right. know I got into this uh, this gangbang here. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> it's happening to me three times. Not happening a fourth time. All right, we're not doing this again. <laughs> all right, let's check in with our in with our awesome awesome live chat. Let's see who's joined us tonight. Hey, Travis Brown, a brand new. I think I think it's the first time Travis has joined us. He is one of your awesome patrons, isn't he, Charles? Travis is one of our awesome patrons. We call him Downtown Travis Brown. Nice, because it rhymes. Yeah, <laughs> well, tra- well, rhyme in here. Travis, I thank you so name. much for joining us. We really do appreciate you checking out our uh, checking out our show. Nana, one of our amazing patrons. Thank you so much. Good to see you. And Jessica G, our stream our stream queen. Um, she Ooh. streams stuff to our Discord theater channel, which is really really awesome. It's, um, and uh, we hope that she's. Uh, I think she's got a big plan for a lot of good stuff uh, once she gets her internet uh, back up and running. So good to see you, Jessica G. Oh, let me see here. Ah, Kevin Paul, my man from Wales. Thank you so much for joining us. Good to see you. And Dark Steve, another one of our awesome patrons. Dude, so good to see you. Dark Steve. Dark Steve is amazing. Yes. (laughs) And of course, I saw an NANA. Who, what for, what the fuck for a second? I didn't know what day it was. I see now it's still Wednesday. Yes, this this week feels weird. I don't know. It did for me as well. (laughs) It it really does feel weird. I don't know what day it is either. Another one of our patrons, PhD Tony. Thank you for jumping. Hey, there's Charlie Welch, the guy you never make Ooh. a bet with. The guy you never make a bet with. And oh, looks... what happens? Do you do you lose your underwear or something? <laughs> no, because he'll welch. Is he a panty stealer? He welches. Mm, I'm on to you. Something weird's happening here. <laughs> I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank Clever, you, sir. Well, thank you all so very much for joining us. This is going to be a. I think it's going to be a pretty awesome show. Unfortunately, um, Alex. Is not with us right now. He got held up at work, so we had to jump live. So hopefully, he may be able to join us <clears throat> shortly. Um, and if we do, we I will... mean, people like money. You got to yeah. go to work. This is true. Yeah, uh, that's true. So we will pat we will patch him in as soon as he arrives. So let me check this out. Where where the hell are we at? Um, 
Well, I mean, as far as that, Charles, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. This is, I think this is going to be awesome. We have some great selections tonight. Um, let me see. I agree. You know what? Because Alex isn't here, I've had to readjust the script. So fuck it. Uh, I'm going to kick us off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, fuck I, it. We'll do it live. Fuck it. We don't care anymore. We're gonna fuck it. <laughs> that, that's what that's what we do. That's what we do here. All right. So I'm um, still getting to know OBS. Yes, I already have it up. Because I thought getting I had. to know you. I thought right. I had. That's what I fucking did. All right. Our first film. As soon as I pull up my... Don't God, do I've got to get multiple monitors. This shit is fucking killing me. I How do you not have multiple monitors? I've got two right here. I need to get... Like, I need to have like three. So I can have like the live stream and, and OBS and my porn on the nine. other. You need nine. You need nine monitors. You need it like all around you like the fucking Matrix or something. Just like, whoa. I just look like you're doing stuff all the time. Like you're hacking. You're like, yeah. Just yeah. Chair, I, I, do, I, do want to look, I do want to look like Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman and Swordfish. Mm -mm. Oh yeah, the most ridiculous hacker ever. He's like rolling around his chair, like, "All right, guys, let's go." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> okay, all right. So the first film that we have coming up, um, as you see in the posters down below, we have The Baby, released oh, March thirtieth, nineteen seventy three. Why are you say, "Oh no, this movie's awesome"? <laughs> Shit, <laughs> it's something. <laughs> it's something. <laughs> it's something. <laughs> Go ahead. Talk about the baby. <laughs> no, continue, continue. Continue, sir, with the baby. I will, yes, I will continue with the baby. So, um, the baby released March 30th, 1973, directed by Ted Post and written by Abe Polsky, starring Anya Het Comer, Ruth Roman, Mariana Hill, Suzanne Zenor, and David Manzi. Man, oh man, how to how to sum this one up without giving without giving it away, you know? Um the story centers around a social worker who is checking in on some, what she believes to be a mentally deficient, uh, I guess a mentally deficient uh, chi uh, child? Or if I, sure. and, either way, yeah. And she discovers that what she thought was a mentally deficient individual who was like handicapped is not, is actually a full-grown man who is being systematically abused and infantilized by his domineering family who will not let him grow up. Mm. So, full of trauma and uh, sadistic craziness. Um, wow, this movie. I, 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 okay, because I admit, for, this, for, the, for the show tonight, I, this is the first time I watched it. And I was kind really? of blown away. I was. You know, the 70s is like... That golden age of like what the fuck films. That's pretty much what happened in the seventies. That's what, anything was it, on the table in the seventies. It was. They'd be like, "Do you want to make a film about potatoes that like penises?" Or like, "Hell yeah, like let's do it, let's do it." All right. <laughs> call Tom Green and Rick Baker. Let's make it happen. Yeah, did, did, did we call that one the dictator? The dictator. Hey, we can make oh, sorry, it. All right, no. we can make it. We've got phones and we can make it. I got a potato pillar in the kitchen. You ready to party? Let's not. Let's, let's go. <laughs> you know, this movie is so strange, though. It's exploitation, but like, what do you call it? Like, baby exploitation? Is that what it is? Like, it's its own genre. It's and there's a lot of satirical social commentary in this. Um, I don't even know. I mean, it's a PG movie. That's what's the most terrifying about this movie. Is this PG? I mean, there could be families with their kids going up and going, let's go see the baby, mommy. Yeah, let's go. And I mean, it's just, that's what makes it a horror film is how creepy it is. There's no gore. There's no blood. And there's just this, like, it's 
loaded with these underlying tones of incest and sadism. That's pretty much what it is. It's <laughs> it's so strange. Um, this is the same year Ted Post released Magnum Force, the same year, the Dirty Harry sequel. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, why didn't he just combine these into one movie? Because I think Dirty Harry should have been in the baby. That's who they messed up there. That would have been phenomenal to have Clint Eastwood. And they're like, I'm Dirty Harry and you're a baby with his gun. I could have made this movie. I'm just saying. I'm the baby team up. Yeah. It'd be like, you know, that's what that's what he was known for. Ted Post was adventure action movies. So why couldn't they team up and have, you know, Magnum P.I. and the baby like solving crime and shit? That'd be amazing. That's like a trilogy waiting to happen. Get out of the seat, you damn baby. We got to fight crime. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So that that was the the thing that got me with it. uh, Because you're right. The 1970s was rife for pretty much anything goes. And I think that was kind of in response to... Um, I always took it as a kind of a response to, to what Hammer Horror was able to pull off in the late 50s through the 60s, and that it took the horror genre, especially with the Universal Monsters idea, to a more extreme level. And because we are on the tail end of the sex, kind of the sexual revolution, that things are the topics that were I think typically would be taboo, we're starting to broach into. So we're broaching into we're really really getting into. So they like very similar to uh, Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker, where it's getting into like aspect like like maternal horror. Which is, in essence, what this is. It's the concept that the individual, that's the one person you're supposed to love and trust the most, who loves who loves you the most, your mother, is actually the source of the harm and trauma or abuse in your life. That she's the one person that you should fear the most. And flipping that on its head, that's a scary concept. And I, I liken this very much to Silent Night, Deadly Night, in the sense of turning the Santa trope on its head. Where Santa is supposed to be... You you have this commercialized image of what Santa is, and then Silent Night Deadly Night comes along here in a few years and says, "No, Santa's a an axe, you know, or a, a rapist and an axe murdering madman." Whereas in this one, it's the mother and the and the sisters that are so not just maternal horror, but uh, but female centric horror, in that you know the people that are the closest to you are your worst enemies. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I mean. Mother, you know, mothers and horror tend to fall in those categories. They're either either in, insane or an abusive or just really just creepy. <laughs> it's well, yeah, they're too, just, you know, they're just weird. Um, I mean, when you baby you want a bottle, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it when I was sitting just watching this, and I kept thinking of the Mad TV skit. Look what I can do! And uh, Stewart, 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 Stewart. I no, I couldn't no. help it. <laughs> I just I I couldn't I I and now the one thing I will give this, this film credit for and it has some amazing uh in terms of cinematography we talk about it's like almost cookies and you'll have these nice no it, you'll have so a cookie is you'll put it's a shape that you place in front of a light to cut you'll cut out like a section of it place mm-hmm. in front of the light so it focuses the light somewhere and it does a lot of it does a lot of really interesting stuff. Where it'll have it'll have like light where it has like just this eye light, and it's stuff that you only really kind of see in the seventies. You don't really see it today because today is so much natural light. Yeah, this is this is really kind of that over the top, uh, that really over the top. The light doesn't make sense because it's just here. It's just here. It's just, it's only focused on one particular area, which I thought was really interesting for the cinematography purpose of it. 
But other than that, <laughs> yeah. Other than that, you're like, well, did it make you kind of jealous because you want to be the baby? You're like, I wish this was my life. I wish I was the baby. I actually, I watching this movie, I actually looked a little bit into infantilism and this this kind of. Um, Oh wow! Thanks, Dark Steve. My age is showing. Put the dad jokes away. Ha 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 ha! But uh-huh. nonetheless, I watched this movie and I and I had to look into it. So there is a kink. Yeah. There, there is a kink in fa- infantilism where uh, the where the the submissive is treated as though they were a baby. They wear diapers. They act like a baby. And um, this looking into that, and I, we obviously we're not here to kink shame. We all have you know, you know, <laughs> we all have the things that that you know make us. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna finish that sentence. But oh, please um, continue. <laughs> I'd like to hear more. What are we well, talking about? That make here? us finish. Different different Balloons? strokes. For, different strokes for different folks. But balloons. Yeah. And uh, there's an interesting. And, and what caught me was the power dynamic because there was so much trust given to the given to the dominant in that relationship. Even if you know, even if it's temporary. But in this one. We really see the power dynamic shift. The power dynamic reinforced by the fact that the individual is their mom, and also reinforced that she's got backup by the sister. So the siblings are the ones who are also reinforcing it, and the submissive is completely stripped of their control and virtually their identity because they're not allowed to. They're systematically abused into not actualizing. So that's what makes it all the more terrifying because to be in this kind of relationship requires that a, a tremendous amount of trust um, and, you know, and respect between the two individuals. And then for a family to do this, that made it all the more twisted and all the more screwed up. It's like, and that's why I dig, I think I dig about the seventies because the seventies really, you know, filmmakers really began to turn the camera on things that we did not want to talk about in our society. Very similar to this, I think the kind of the dark side of the sexual revolution. Because once you open the door into you know everything is love and you know people can sleep together and you know be open with their sexuality, I think especially women being open with their sexuality, then you have to acknowledge other things that may come along, and there is an underbelly to the you know the revolution the revolution that and the horror genre picked up on it very very quickly oh yeah absolutely you're starting to get away from the very prudish victorian influence that we had from the late 1800s to up to the mid 1900s where sex was very you do it one way missionary that's all acceptable you keep in the bedroom you never talk about it you're people so i love lucy you slept in two separate beds and then somehow a kid came out of nowhere but uh, Man, Lucy was a freak. Yeah. You know Lucy was a freak. Come on, <laughs> she got on that Desi. She knows what's up. Come on, Ricky. She's a mm-hmm. she's a ginger. You know it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I didn't know she was a redhead for like the longest time growing up because I just I just always saw her in black and white. But yeah, so and now you're starting to get to the point where it's it's acceptable that people can talk about it. this is a smaller budget film. So smaller budget films can always push the envelope on stuff like that because they don't have a big studio breathing down their neck. And so it's like, well, we can finally talk about it, so let's actually talk about it. How did I, I want to get I want to get your guys' reaction. I have to admit, the abuse scenes in this were really, really well done. Especially <laughs> for 1973. Um, I his, mean, yeah. His re, his re, yeah. his reaction to these things came up. I'm I'm not gonna say it went cannibal holocaust, where I'm like, holy shit, the actor was fucking killed. I'm not I'm not no. in I'm not in that boat. But I was impressed. And at, at a couple of moments, because you know, like like abuse, I this not something that I really that I you know 
that kind of dynamic I don't really dig seeing it because it's like uh it's a little bit it hits a little too close to home you know your suspension of just dis- you know suspension of disbelief is kind of like yeah this is something you know that could be very very real and so it can get, kind of turn my stomach a little bit especially in this one when it's so gross it's just grossly repugnant you know the relationship with the- and then of course the ending which I don't want to give away because anybody in the audience probably a lot of people have not seen this. But uh, the ending will definitely, you know, throw you for a... You will not see it coming. I can guarantee you that. But did anybody else react viscerally to the abuse in that? Or was it just me? I'm dead inside, so it didn't bother me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, get him! Get it! Completely desensitized. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, I mean, I were talking about the cinematography. I, I always thought the acting was super strong in this film from everybody. You know, oh, yeah, it definitely. was done yeah. super well. Super well. And it's uh it can make some people uncomfortable. Let's just say that. Especially oh, yeah. being a PG family film. It's definitely a family movie, you know? You would. <laughs> it's not. It's not. I'm telling you, it's not. It is. Go <laughs> see it with your children. All but the little or the better. Let them watch it. <laughs> you want to see a grown man hit with a cattle prod? Here you go. Oh, I do. That's my kind of thing. <laughs> well, I know. I, I've, I've caught your OnlyFans. Oh, I know it's weird though. People like weird stuff. I'm there's only so much cattle pod in the bathtub I can do before I, I get sick, you know? It's a very limited amount, so and only anyway. onlyfans.com slash Charles Doze. Yeah. You you can yeah. join today and see all my past exploits and dirtyisms. Go ahead. For only a low fee of uh, forty nine cents a month, because I'm very cheap. Well, it's, def- it's definitely a it's definitely a very odd film. I don't think a lot of people saw this one yeah. coming, and I think it's uh, it's I don't think it's extremely underground, but I don't think a lot of people in the chat have probably seen it, except for the diehard horror fans. I definitely recommend it. The director um, is excellent. I really enjoyed his other work. Ted Post is it just has a great eye um, for I mean, I think in capturing a scene, he know, he knows what he wants and he knows how to get it. So he's very you could feel the confidence in how they shot this thing. So he knew what he was doing, and he was like, "This, yeah, I could just imagine him behind yeah. the camera. Oh, this is gonna fuck them up." <laughs> and this is so out of place for Ted Post because he was not known for movies like this. I mean, he did Beneath the Planet of the Apes and Hang 'Em High, and it's like, yeah, this is not a Ted Post movie. <laughs> oh yeah, just... he kicked off with like Rawhide and Gunsmoke, and you yeah. know, <laughs> he did some Twilight Zone too back in the day. And, but and, I'm just like, that's about the craziest you got. And in essence, like you know, like. Uh, the male stereotype at the time, like these are men being men. This is what they. This is what they do. Like you know, like the ultimate law enforcement officer, or you know, the the one guy rising up against the you know, the you know, I guess the apes that have taken over the planet. But you know, guy, you know, the the man's man, and then he turns around. He was and, a man's man movie, yeah. And then you turn around, and he has this one. Like, oh, and I did this one about a guy who is forced by abuse to remain a baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I told you it's weird. It was the same year, like. As Magnaforce came out, you were like, oh, that guy did Magnaforce. Let me watch his other movie. And you're watching, you're like, that's not the same movie. It's not the same <laughs> that, movie at all. That was not what I was expecting. <laughs> I thought it was going to be the baby, like a gangster movie or something. It's not. It's, I, it's horrible. I, I don't identify with this guy at all. <laughs> like this. <laughs> but just stick with me because I'm telling you, you know, just think about the baby with Dirty Harry in it. Just imagine how great that would have been if he was the one who investigated this. And you can see him busting in with his Clint Eastwood face, like, that's a damn baby. Jesus. 
Oh my, we've went off the rails again here. Sorry, guys. Hardcore. <laughs> Absolutely hardcore. So that brings it up. I want to ask the audience. So psycho, uh, Psychosexual is a horror genre that I know is kind of niche, but I'm curious. I want to ask the people in the live audience. And of course, um, for those of you listening later on, let us know in the comments below or hit us up at weekendhorrorgmail.com. What is your favorite psychosexual horror? Ones that kind of like push the boundaries on maybe what is taboo, maybe what is societally acceptable. Let us know. I'd love to hear what you think. Maybe we'll get some solid recommendations out there. And, of course, we will always throw the trailers up for awesome movies up in our trailers and recommendations section in our Discord server. The link is in the description. So let me see what's awesome. going on here. We, I saw. I think I saw some new people up here in the live chat. Uh, see you. This is N-A-N-A. Uh, Travis Browning, uh, Clockwork Rex, pleasure to see you. Thank you for joining us. I think uh, I hope you enjoy the show. It was awesome. And I think, oh, it was just the one person. That's okay. <laughs> just, just one. What? Oh, he joined. It. Okay, he. Oh, uh, I've been here since <laughs> since like you guys pretty much right after you started. Okay, so to our to our audience, um, Alex has joined us, so I will be piping in his audio now. Give me. Oh, they can't hear me. That's yeah. My mic wasn't working too. Yeah, they can't hear you because because I, I shut you down. No, my mic wasn't <laughs> working. That's why you couldn't hear me in the beginning, and then I finally got everything wrong. All right, let me see here. And okay, let us know in the live audience. Oh, and hey, Dave, and good to see you. Uh, let us know. Can you hear Alex? Alex, say hello. Can you hear me? Can you my hear people. Me? The real question is, when are we going to make a remake to The Baby? Because I want to star in it. I want to be the baby. Are you going to be the baby? <laughs> we're really making I'm gonna be dirty, the baby. gritty, like, seven. <laughs> Look, I uh, I got you into character because I'm wearing nothing but diapers underneath this shirt. So, sorry. Oh, yeah. I was ready to party, guys. I was ready. <laughs> All right. Hey, He's severely overestimated. Ooh, we got Echo. We got. I think we got Echo. Right. I'm with you. Though. We'll do the the baby directed by David Fincher, starring Brad Pitt <laughs> <laughs> and Morgan Brad Freeman Pitt. as the detective. <laughs> Wait a second. I've seen this before. <laughs> so let me ask the live audience real quick. Um, can't hear Alex. He's got he's got reverb though. And hey, good to see you. And the George said, "Thank you so much for joining us." And you're never late, dude. It's always awesome to see you. Um, we, oh, he's uh, never late, but I'm fucking late. Okay, so we've got we've got some reverb on Alex. So how can I fix that? Oh, I know because uh, I need to I need to mute his ass. Yeah, you just need to mute his mute his channel. Yeah. Where is he in the? I don't see him. Wait a minute. Nobody can see me. I don't see him in the audio. I don't see him in the audio mixer. At all? Charles. That's Tom. That's me. I did it. Hey. Right. Desktop, Eugene, JL, Mike Ox, Weekend Horror Animatic. Uh, all right, Alex, Alex, say something. Hello. Is he still Hello. echoing? Say, uh, try say, uh, do it again, Alex. Hello, and welcome to Movie Phone. He sounds like he's at the <laughs> bottom of the well. He sounds like he's are. at the bottom of a well. Help me. Oh, apparently, Timmy. Chris Durham. Timmy's in the well. Chris Durham Music Channel says his his audio was good, and then I added it. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Shit got real. Jesus. Yeah, okay, hang on. So let me try this again one more time. Thanks, Thanks Chris. Chris. 
And so let's, uh, we can keep talking about the baby because I, I get I get turned on by the baby guys. Come on, you guys had me there you. almost. I just I met, met you and you, you sound crazy. crazy so, so here's, here's my, my number. number. Call, call me. me, please, please. I'm calling you right now. <laughs> hey, jokes on you. I already had your number. That's how crazy <laughs> I am. I fucking like you. I'm outside your front door right now. <laughs> I'm peeking in the window. Oh. <laughs> Do you ever wake so up at night? Think to yourself, I didn't. I didn't cover myself in bed. That's me. I like to tuck you in when you fall asleep. Oh, thank you. Don't worry. You're welcome. Yeah. You look cold sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> As I'm sitting on the garage, it's like 85 fucking degrees. Are you all sweaty? Like you're watching Cops again? Oh, gosh, gosh. No, and I did this dumbass thing. Are, can you see my video? Yeah. No. Every, I don't know every who you year, are. I, I start the summer out by wearing a hat and putting a, a tan, tan on across, across my forehead, forehead, and then it never goes away. So that's super awesome. Uh, yeah, for, okay, I don't know why, but for some reason his... Um, I, can't, I hit refresh, but for some reason his... Um, Is that the audio mixer in YouTube, or are you talking about OBS? No, in OBS, because his audio... Is reverbing, but I need to be able to mute you. But the problem is, you're not you're you're not coming up in the audio mixer. Oh, what I, I would suggest with audio instead of video. Uh, what I would suggest doing is canceling whatever source you have on him right now on OBS, and then create a new source, a new browser window, and bring him back in on that one. Okay. Just basically start from scratch with it. <laughs> Today on Weekend Horror Live, we will learn well, how to use OBS for the sixth time. <laughs> Week in tech. Try it now. I don't. I don't know anything about this. So you guys keep using a fancy telegraph machine for all I know. I don't know what you're doing, <laughs> Alex. Beep, beep, I said. Beep, beep, beep. I just show up. They say. They say sit there and look pretty. Talk about movies. I'm like, all right. Here I am. <laughs> Alex, give me a test. Hello, my name is Alex. No, goddamn. I show up late to the party and fuck everything up. Usually. Well, I wasn't gonna say anything. Yeah. yeah, I was I was ready for for eight o'clock, and they're like seven. And I was like, yeah, I'll be done by then. And then, of course, you know. All right, and well, jokes on you guys. We're going to talk about the baby again. We're starting this bad boy over. like this. <laughs> and OBS. I'm not as fast. I'm. I promise. I'm not as fast as Johnny O, but I will get there. In time. Are you as fast as Johnny Five? Because Johnny Five's alive. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Alex, say something. Hello, how are you? How's that live chat? I mean, I don't. I have no idea. Oh, no, he's not. He's not on video. You can't mime. I don't know why. It's, I honestly, I don't know why it's not there. I'm not versed enough in OBS to do it. Once we started, we. I know Johnny said multiple times that once you start, people jumping in can be very problematic. So I was hoping we could get away with it, but I don't think we can. Um, okay, so you just might have to be a little echoey. Like, is it super bad, or... It's bad. It's really bad, yeah. Can we all be echoey, so we can just match them? We'll just be no, echoey together? They, they know, because then we won't have a live audience. Did I just get <laughs> fired? I just got, I just got fired. fired. You didn't you get fired. fired. That's fantastic. I just got fucking... Jesus. You didn't uh... get fired, Alex, but it, it's it's in there, and... Yeah, yeah, and the George says, yeah, it's bad. So, um... That's okay. Well, we, we, we've got the thing going. Uh, it's all good, Alex. You know, we don't even have the four-window thing up, so... Cool. Uh, bye. Oh, sorry, dude. <laughs> I, I 
like God, I, you guys are you guys I, are fucking savage on the show. Feel like I, like, I feel like I treat him so bad sometimes. You're like, oh. you're like, here, why don't, I, why don't you, why don't you sit around so I can pour you a nice tall glass and shut the fuck up and get out of here? Here, take this and walk out. You will go to sleep, or I will put you to sleep. He's like, you, goddamn gypsy son of a bitch, get out of here, go, scat. Oh. I feel bad. Hey, I feel bad for Alex now. I I feel bad. I really do. I wish. Me too. I wish you'd been able. And you to know be- what? We're leaving. We're out of here because of a strike. That's it. I mean, you got to be. On Viva time. Revolution! You got to be on time. You got to be on time. You know. Hey, I was, oh, well, the last thing I was going to suggest was him going back out and coming back into OB, OBS Ninja just hey. to see if that would work. That's the last thing I want to suggest. That's where babies come from. You don't want to fuck with that shit. All right. Stop doing that. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. Now, so, okay. So, let's, what are we doing? Let's, let's I forgot the, what we're even doing. Let's get I've been this sitting tra- in the same spot drinking for four hours. Let's so get, I don't know this, what to let's do get this train back on track. And I know we have a lot of stuff. So, I do apologize to the, right. to the live chat. Uh, we're going to have to edit that out in post. Uh, just, you know, just get through that shit. So, we'll jump into it. So, the remake of Baby will be like Saw. <laughs> Travis Brown, that's amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. That should that should be a sequel. The baby should, like, grow up and be insane. Like, make yes. everybody dress up like babies. Dress up like a baby for me, you son of a bitch. And dance. All right. Dance and in those diapers. We've got Tina Jones. Thank you so much for joining us, Tina. It's good to hear you. Also, I believe, also from Wales. Um, What's up, Tina? And oh, who's this? The cute furry kitten sanctuary. That's Holy awesome. shit! That's the best name I've ever heard in my life. That is an amazing name. And apparently, she says I've had a week in horror. Uh, Jessica G hammered in some nails using my sister kit. What the fuck? I don't know what's going on there. That's <laughs> what's going on in your chat have, room here. I have no context whatsoever. <laughs> Holy crap! We have, this got this got weird. We have amazing people. The best kinds of people. And yes, uh, and yes, and the George said OBS is clunky. So we will be moving. I, I will start. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably go to Streamlabs when I can afford it. VMix, VMix all the fucking way. VMix, yes. And basic trigonometry, so good to see you. Another one of our awesome patrons. And then Alex says, "Oh, now you're editing me out." I'm, and then he, yeah, I'm not editing you out, Alex. <laughs> you, I mean, come on, dude. You helped found this show. <laughs> you, you just got to be on time, dude. <laughs> You, you can come over here. You can come over here and sit in my lap, Alex. You can come. I'll send you my address. We can All share right. this chair. Let's jump. Let's get this train back rolling. <laughs> Eugene, what do we have up next? Take us All to right. our next well, movie. I have to suddenly pull up notes. Give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> this is why they don't let me out of the house. Shit goes wrong. <laughs> it, it wasn't. It wasn't like this when Lloyd was on here. Charles, why can't you be more like Lloyd? <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> I love Lloyd. He should be here too. Then we'd really be going crazy. <laughs> that would be out oh. of control. All right. So next we have released March 31st, 2006. We have the movie Feed, which is directed by Brett Leonard and stars Alex O'Loughlin. <clears throat> Alex O'Laughlin, uh-huh. Patrick Thomas, Gabby Milgate, and Jack Thompson. And basically what it is is you have a detective who investigates cybercrime who comes across a website about a guy who basically feeds people to death. 
just continues overfeeding them, overfeeding them. Mm. So he goes to America and investigates, and shit hits the fan. It's always America. It's always America's fault. Those filthy colonists. Jesus. <laughs> you know... That movie's like it's Osploitation, but this is like the rise of Australia again with their films, and that movie really relied itself on on trying to be shocking. I didn't find that movie that shocking, to be honest with you. It's a bizarre concept, and it's definitely it dives into this like feeder gainer fetish, which uh-huh. we know Eugene's a real big fan of. You know, we know he likes <laughs> getting down with that because he tried to get me to do some shit before a show that was weird, like eating cakes. <laughs> I was like whoa, whoa. I Only just kept telling you, telling you to bend over in the corner. That was that was it. Was you're like, like you, have something back. you have something in the corner you're like, back there. I want you to sit on that cake and smile. And I was like, shit. All right, I like cake. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, uh, Travis said, really, Travis, Brown, Travis Brown says so. Fear.com with a crazy overeating person. Yeah, it's pretty much it. kind of yeah. <laughs> You know, I mean, really, this movie, everybody's like, it's so gross. I'm like, the, the the most disgusting thing about this movie is the really atrocious script that's in this. It's, like, nonsensical. It's, like, ridiculous. And 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 Brett Leonard was, like, having this horrible attempt at trying to be artsy. He's like, look at me. I'm so, I'm so edgy. I'm like, no, you're not edgy. You're bad. It's like, he, he really, he really wanted this movie to be, like, an amazing new French extremism style, like, exploitation film, like, irreversible or something but i think he took this movie too seriously like he it should have been more like dead alive just like really comical and like campy and i don't know it's just i go back to the script because sometimes it's like so ridiculous it borders into that unintentional comedic territory and like you don't give a shit about the characters in this. You're like, oh, well, I don't care if they die or not. You're like, I don't give a shit. I did get the, I, did, this movie. I did get the same kind of sensation where it's uh it was very much like he's trying to be French extremism in yeah. that same regard. He was trying to really push a push a boundary in that, but it just came off so uh, I don't want to say hackneyed or over overreaching. Oh. Overreaching, is that a good term? Like he, he tried he tried too hard. Yeah, okay, there hard. you go. Yeah. It, it seemed like he missed a mark because the, the editing style seemed a lot like uh, Natural Born Killers, like the Oliver Stone kind mm-hmm. of. Like, boom, you have some of these like overexposed shots and these like random cuts and all this other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was really like, nonsensical on it. But the thing is, is I think the first of all, the script's lacking. And second of all, like if you're going to go that approach, you have to go like Natural Born Killers, which I like the movie dives in like it is straight on we're gonna give you animated stuff everything laugh track we're gonna just boom we're gonna really really commit and i felt like he stepped like one foot in the water and i was like ah we'll just kind of stay right here and that's why it doesn't work almost like you know he's you could see you could see his inspirations in the film like where he wanted to take from and i don't i will never fault a director for grabbing from what works the problem is if you're going to steal something good, make sure you do it well. You know, surround yourself with people that can accomplish that fact. That way, you maybe you could say, "Oh, it's like I'm paying homage to this because I really respect it." But you know, steal what's good, but make sure you can pull it off before you do. And don't try to turn someone else's, you know, kind of visual style into your own. 
Because Oliver Stone, mm. he's got his, that's the Oliver Stone way of style. That's what he does. And yeah, we could pay homage to that, but don't try to twist it into the you know the Leonard way or something of that nature. You know, be creative, but don't don't overreach. That's what I felt every you know watching this was like he like he I see what he's going for, but he really missed the mark, especially. In some particular scenes, I don't want to give, I don't want to spoil too much, too much for those curious, for those who really want that eye candy. Ha! <laughs> oh, there's some beautiful oh. scenes in this, guys. Oh. There's some amazing scenes in this right. that gave me the tingles. All right, <laughs> yeah. the tinglers, the, the, t the tingles in my gastrointestinal tract. I was ready yeah. to party with this movie. Oh yeah, I'm the like, boiling uh, member when they first go mm, into the house. Yeah, mm. Mm. <laughs> but like you, I think if he if he tried, like you're saying, not to copy a bunch of shit that didn't work and try to do something, because the ideal of this movie is an interesting ideal. Like if you read this on on paper, the concept and not the actual shitty screenplay that was made, this could have been made a fun movie. But oh, I think absolutely. it was just a lot of the wrong oh, yeah. crew. And, behind it doing it well that's one thing i was i mean obviously we we tread on it, it dives really really deep into you know submissive and dominant horror now we get a touch of that in the in the baby we talked about that but in this particular mm -hmm. one this is even more extreme because this is subdom relationships to the extent of death where it is you know i'm like i said we're not here to kink shame and feeder you know feeder gainer relationships they are health they're health risky I mean, that's just what it is. You know, you have people who are deliberately gaining weight to the point that it could it could harm their heart, it could harm their internal organs. There are issues that that can complicate that. But in this particular one, you have a the, in essence the killer utilizing that relationship in order to murder people and getting off on it and getting more and more extreme in how he. I'm you know I'm talking about like you know the the slurry scene and you know when he was feeding um when he was uh, feeding Deir uh, Deirdre. I'm not giving it away, but it's, uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not, I'm not giving. I mean, it, it does dive into the whole the subdom culture, which so for those of you who don't know, like a lot of people will talk about Fifty Shades of Grey. That is not a oh, God, no. representation <laughs> of that culture by a long shot. That is a stalker abuse, and if he wasn't a billionaire, then he would be in jail. Like hey, just yeah. hand that he has the money to buy himself out of jail. Nothing's illegal when hey, you're rich. Nothing's yes, exactly. illegal. It doesn't matter. This is true. Yeah, exactly. On it is everything is legal as long as you can pay the cost of it. So, and so this, I mean, this dives into because usually we have a subdom relationship. It's usually very consensual. Usually boundaries are laid out ahead of time, and it is actually a very give and take relationship, so that both parties actually get something out. It's not just one person beating on the other person and oh that one the dom likes it no both parties like it both parties are consensual and so and then they just this just takes it to the level of well what if it does become dangerous and, and, and that in itself yeah. i think can be scary because you know when people if people, if people identify with this particular kink or ones that are somewhat similar like you know like you know a heart more hardcore bondage and domination stuff that you, mm -hmm. you it puts that in there and then you begin to kind of realize and i think that's what makes it kind of niche is that for it will speak very very heavily to a particular audience um and that another thing that i want to bring up because the rest of the people that are going to see this film and this was kind of my concern what i wanted to really really talk about was 
other people who are not into these things and may not understand that we're going to be watching films, films like films like The Baby, films like Feed, and our next film that's coming up, they're, they're going to watch these things and they're not going to understand them. The filmmakers know this. I can guarantee you Leonard knew this. Okay? Does this go down as extreme kink exploitation? Are we exploiting the seemingly unnatural image, you know, the kind of taboo nature of these things for the sake of horror? Or... Is it being the horror genre just lends itself to putting these things on display because it's horror? I'm just curious. Does it kind of give rise to the, you know, oh, we, you know, it's the horror genre. So we're justified in exploiting these things for the visual feast and for, you know, freaking people out because they, they won't get it. Or this is all we can do. This is the only way we really can display it because it's the horror genre. No. I think it just depends on the filmmaker itself and the approach they take, that if they actually honor what's going on and say they want to show people, and a lot of times for horror movies, we want to bring something to attention and then kind of go to the extreme yeah. on it versus maybe a director who's just like, oh, this is disgusting. I want to show people how disgusting this thing is. I think it's more the approach of the filmmakers. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I mean, I think a lot of it is what they're trying to do. I mean, I think a lot of these movies like Feed, they're making them for the sole purpose of they think they're going to shock exploitation the shit out of people by showing them weird stuff. And people tend to like that, especially suburbanites. You know, they're like, ooh, I don't do that. So I'm I'm normal. People love that shit. I'm telling you. <laughs> Odd. By, by carriage vicariously living by seeing by seeing how the other half lives and saying they, they, mm-hmm. they, they can it allows them to continue to separate themselves from them and be like oh like watching jerry springer it, yeah exactly. oh, that's about the same level as jerry springer <laughs> <laughs> i can totally see he's on jerry springer totally <laughs> i'm trying to eat myself to death then midgets I come love out of it. <laughs> where'd those midgets come from mm, you don't want to know <laughs> They're so, coming out of places. So Dark Steve says, ha ha, JL has lost Alex to the void called Side Chat. Welcome to the void, Alex. <laughs> Alex Welcome to the void. I'll, th- I'll throw you I'll throw you an escape ladder here soon. I promise. <laughs> it's just uh, it's such a weird, I mean, Brett Leonard overall is such a strange director. I mean, he did, he did a lot more mainstream shit back in the day and then just kind of faded away and came back with this movie. <laughs> You're like... <laughs> This is the guy who did what did he do? Virtuosity back in the day, didn't he? Do yeah, that? he did virtuosity uh, he did. And, and the lawnmower man. Yeah, okay, oh, lawnmower he did lawnmower man. Yeah, Dead Pit. He did Dead Pit. I love Dead Pit. That's a great movie. It's a lot better than this, but what a weird, well, like, what a weird way. Well, like also on top of that, like one of the things that bugged me was like the cinematography because a lot of the shots were just weirdly exposed, and it's like you already have the budget and you have to. You have the budget, budget and the knowledge to do great looking shots, but some of it does like first year, like college, like film school college. Very amateurish, yeah, yes. very amateurish. Which means he did that on purpose. Yeah, I was, told you he was I, trying to be arty. He was trying to be artsy somehow. He's like, I'm so, I'm so cutting edge. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, I had flashbacks to film from to film school when it just all the bad projects people turned in in film class. It's just like, oh, oh my god, yeah. Oh, it looks terrible. Oh, that shot looks terrible too. Let's see. And well, the George says, Explo- exploitative horror has its place, and it can be done semi-tastefully, but shock exploitation can be just grossness for the sake of grossness. <laughs> Some shock exploitation can. <laughs> and Travis Brown says, David, uh, David Cronenberg does a great job with shock value on his body horror movies. And I agree on that. Cronenberg is a master. Cronenberg does it right. 
He's yeah, a absolutely. master at it. Absolutely. I but even would. like feed, I wouldn't even call feed shock exploitation. It doesn't even land in a shock exploitation. It's like it's like shock exploitation light. It's like what you get from the vending machine when you want something with no calories. You're like, here, <laughs> I'll take that. This is like that was enough for me. I'm on a diet. Well, definitely. If you're if you are a horror fan, and I mean, if you're as big a horror fan, especially as as we are, it's not yeah. it's not going to blow your mind. There are far more extreme films that will that will really shock you to your core. This one, but I think for your average audience, like, hey, I'm going to watch a, I'm going to watch a horror movie tonight because stop, there's stop no more edgy. Episode, because there's no more episodes of Grey's Anatomy. This is not the show oh. for them. <laughs> when I when when people tell me they want to watch something edgy, and if they're not into horror. I make them immediately watch Necromantic. I'm like, you go watch that. I'm like, it's a great one. You're gonna love it. They're like, okay. You never talk to me again. Never Come see on. me again. Come on, not Salo. <laughs> oh, that's that's for something else. That's something even more special. Not uh, not. Sometimes audition. it's hard to get people around that black and white shit. Sometimes You're like, all right, all right. Not, not audition. Like audition. <laughs> Siberian film. No, nope. oh, uh, I'm going straight Necromantic. <laughs> Serbian film. Serbian film. A Serbian film. Yes, yes, thank you. Serbian film. Serbian film was like a hidden comedy. I'm sorry. It was... <laughs> <laughs> and Charlie Doe's is the darkest guest we've had on the show yet. Was, was I the only person in the theaters laughing their ass off at like the limited screenings of that film? I was like, oh my God, do it. <laughs> yes, 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 you were. You were the yes. only one. <laughs> Everybody looking at me. Don't judge me. I was once like you, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well i know that right. i i could say i could say from speaking to some individuals who do enjoy particular kings especially in the bdsm uh mm. in the bdsm field i know that many feel that films like this even though we as horror found horror fans can see them for what they are just you know it is what it is it's not intended to attack any particular one or basically take something strange and put it up there for all to gawk at and laugh at it's not that's not the intention at all. But some do find it a bit exploitative because they would like what they do to be accepted and as just a, a, a normal part of society that this is what they this is who they are, this is what they enjoy. And it's things like this. It, it's just little nickel and dimes, which is probably how much he spent on this movie, that really kind of affect the image of that. So it'll always so like stuff like this kind of kink will always be underground because of little things like this. Good call. Yeah, because a lot of times when you start diving into the these kind of kinks, and especially we look like like the sub dom that that kind of culture, mm -hmm. filmmakers that make films about it aren't actually doing the investigation into what that culture's like. So it, they're always, always, always misrepresented, and that's majority of what people see is like, oh, well, you're into sub and dom, so it has to be like this and blah blah blah, and it's so far from the truth, and it's like. It'd be nice to actually have a film that actually does it correctly. That yeah, somebody yeah. who actually does their homework. Yeah, that's a good on. call out. That's a good call out. You know, I, I've thought about that a lot. But yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of these people, you know, making these don't really know what they're making. They're just like, I guess that's probably what they're gonna like. Because I mean, you, <laughs> they're you, gonna like that. You, yeah. you look at you look at you look at films like American Mary or or D. Snyder's Strangeland. That these are extreme fetishes, like like you know where where it's almost fetishizing in particular things, whether it's body modification, particularly those two, because you're altering your body permanently, and even in those, the way and they were magnificent films. I love Strange Land. I, I watch it at least once yeah. a year. I yeah. loved American Mary because mm, Catherine Isabel, but individuals do like that. This is a this is a thing that people do. This does not make them strange. Does not put them on the outs. That you know 
But people are going to watch this. People who are not big-time horror fans are going to watch this. They're going to have an image in their head. Then they're going to see someone walking down the street. They see this individual with piercings or extreme body modification. They go and they make the association. You know, and it can. So, I mean, I think it's up to the viewer to make their own determination on this and try to keep an open mind because it is just art. And reality is something far, far different. So having an open mind, I think, you know, assists in that. And then we can still make our art. We can still make these movies like this to kind of, you know, these fictional dark sides. We can actually go into that without the worry of creating any kind of societal division. Society's fucked up anyway, dude. We're, we're, this, we're screwed. This, this is true. This is true. <laughs> it's true. Just enjoy what you like. Just oh, enjoy it. And the George is consensual. Enjoy it. And the George said he's got to take off early. Good to see you. Thank you so much for stopping by. And the George said we really do appreciate it. There's Alien X Gaming. What's up, dude? And Ricky Bell has joined us. Awesome. Mm. So great. So man, we have the best fucking live chat. We really fucking do. We really do. All right. Uh, and Travis, Travis Brown would like to ask. Charles Doe's, can you go even darker? Shit, you don't want to do that. <laughs> well, I do, have, real I, do have, I do have this goat and this knife I claimed out of the pit. <laughs> I have. I've got four children trains up in my closet right now. Get out of the closet, you little son of a bitch. <laughs> you gotta go full Spinal Tap. It's like the Black Album. It's like, what's darker than this? And the answer is nothing. Nothing. <laughs> That's, that'll be for uh, the OnlyFans, Travis. You know how dark we get there, so get ready. Bring it's the kerosene and the towels. It's getting nasty. All right. All right. We're kidnapping some orphans. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite pastime. Some pippy longstocking sucks. Pippy longstocking shit. You know, kidnap some orphans and do some weird shit with a horse. You know. That's yeah, what we'll I do. Just, let's just see what happens. Kelly and the sexy stud. Just see. <laughs> I'll miss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Eugene. Well, okay. All right. Well, all right. well, where is this gone now? What are we talking about? I don't know. So I'd actually, I'd like to ask the audience, do you feel like kink horror films is actually shaming that community or is it maybe just bringing something to light on it? So is kink horror actually shaming the community or maybe he's bringing me something light, or maybe he's drawing attention towards something that most people don't look at. So let us know in the comments below, or email us at weekendhorror at gmail.com. Awesome. Yeah. That sounds good. And if it's not shaming people, should we start shaming them? That's a good question. <laughs> Only I'll we'll let you decide. <laughs> oh man oh man so we're gonna jump on our next one and th this one is one i've been i've been looking forward to talking to uh, talking about for a while because i really really like this movie it's it's a super guilty pleasure of mine not to mention the underlying themes so our next film up is came out april april 2nd 1982 fuck man i was i was one i actually hadn't had my second birthday yet um and that is the movie cat people mm. Ooh. So yes, Cat People, directed by Paul Schrader and uh, written by Alan Ormsby, based on Cat People by Dewitt Bodine, starring uh, Natasha Kinski, Malcolm McDowell, John Hurd, and Annette O'Toole. And this film is a remake of a 1942 film, which was actually then based on a book. So this is a remake where the the story centers around a brother and sister who, when they become sexually aroused, tur <laughs> turn into panthers. 
And this has been remade into 39 porn movies, guys. And, wa- and, and wackiness <laughs> ensues. I think I think that's all I can say on that one. <laughs> oh, oh my! But I will tell no. you. But I will tell you this: Natasha Kinski. I mean, Natasha Kinski was perfect for that role. She's super cat-like, and she's great at those performances, you know. And she's really hot. <laughs> so it worked out. But you know, cat people was that that product of of Universal. You know, Universal got that ideal to remake. Some horror, and they made two movies, Cat People and the Thing, and both of them failed at the box office because people were crazy, and both of them, you know, became huge cult followings later on. And you know, this Cat People's, it's like a, it's a beautiful erotic thriller. I mean, if it kind of almost makes you forget how unerotic incest is, you know, there's just it's just, <laughs> so close. <laughs> well, if you well if you saw McDowell and Caligula. <laughs> pretty much go anywhere from there. You want to know something horrible? I saw the uncut version of Caligula when I was seven years old because my mom knew I liked Roman movies and she bought me a Roman movie. She was like, you're going to watch this one. I'm like, cool. She didn't know what it was. Eugene, <laughs> Eugene that explains it all. This explains a lot. I think <laughs> a lot of, yeah. I, this was the Mommy, piece, what's he doing? This was, was that man's in, behind. This was the piece of the puzzle that made the image come clear. Like, you oh, like it, right? My. Oh my! And I told, and I told Malcolm McDowell this story. He just looked at me like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah, dude, you, you fucked me up." He almost called CPS, and you're an adult. It's like, oh yeah, I'm calling them right now. They got to backtrack this somehow. That was his, that's the same thing. Kane Hodder told me the exact same thing because I the first time I met him, I just fanboyed like an idiot. And since then, I've I've improved my reputation. I was like, "Hey, Kane's good fanboy." Oh, I went total fanboy. I absolutely. Right. I was like, I just gushed. I was like, ah, oh, because it was. I, I was the first time I'd ever met the man, and I and I'm I, Friday the Thirteenth is my favorite franchise, and I absolutely just I fucking love seven, even uh, seven, eight, nine, and ten. I can you know because it's Kane, and he, I think he was important to me as Jason because he was the first one that really gave Jason a voice through the way he emotes with his you know emotes with his, with yeah. his movement. So I was just I really respected him. I, you know I'm an actor as well. I respected him as an actor, as a stuntman, and the things that he'd done and been through. So I just kind of fanboyed out. And then, you know, this was before he he choked me out, because he actually choked me out, which was really, really awesome. But Oh, that's what you're into. I get you. That's cool. <laughs> but I was telling him, Choke I was just me. like, I was just like, I was kind of gushing over my favorite my favorite kill. And and which which <laughs> is in part seven is the sleeping bag kill. And just how I got into it young, and it's just, you know, I was just like, boom, and I've really, you know, admired his career. And he's looking at me, and I'm so worked up about it. He's looking at me like, what the fuck? Just like has this look on his face. And I was like, but, you know, it's a real pleasure to meet you. He's like, yeah, it's a pleasure to meet you. You're kind of fucked up, dude. And I was like, yes, I am. I absolutely am. <laughs> That's when you You're were like, like can, you, you. can you please choke me, Big Daddy? And he was like, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. And I Can you wear the Jason mask while you choke me? He's like, that's where I draw the line, all right? You're like, okay. I had to promise I wouldn't sue him if he, if he rendered me unconscious. Oh, that's funny. Uh, Which is sweet. Well, I guess we can try to get back to cat people. We can, yes. Um, but I like cat. Like, cat people is – I like how – I like how they were able to, like, have this nice little – almost swirl of like American and Euro horror at the time. Cause that's kind of what it is. You know, it kind of feels real similar to Argento's Inferno that came out a couple years before real similar to the way it's shot. Um, 
And out of that, I mean, the whole atmosphere reminds me of Inferno, but I mean, I also like the weird Jalo disco synthesizer score from Giorgio Moroder. That's pretty much what it sounds like the whole movie. Like I'm in some Jalo disco Inferno. Which I love. I actually love some of his score work, and then you got the song by David yeah. Bowie, uh, which is also really good. I mean, I I like this film. It had definitely has some more artistic shots, and it mm-hmm. shot a lot better than Feed. Oh my god! Oh god! Yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't compare those two. It's like comparing a Snickers bar to a bowl of shit. Well, come on. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I much preferred the Snickers bar to that bowl of shit over there. It's like, well, la di da, la di da, sir. Jesus. Well, that was the that was one of the big things that struck me in this one, and it wasn't so much about this film. I thought the film was beautifully shot. It had a very, um, a very ethereal, almost dreamlike quality to it. I really, yeah. almost uh, like the personification of trance. I really, really dug it, and I, you know, I'm a big Malcolm McDowell fan. I love Natasha Kinski. I thought that she embodied the role and really went for it. And I mean, if they, at this time in, in the early '80s, this wasn't this was uh, would be a difficult role to take, um, given where you want your career to go. And in the '80s, you jump into a movie like this, it can really pigeonhole you. Very similar to what happened with Karen Black, pigeonholed yeah. by Trilogy of Terror. You just don't want to take that risk. So I applaud Natasha for taking the risk. And jumping in this film and then going full force with it, just be like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run it, and I'm gonna do it as, you know, the, do it the best I can. So I love her dedication. I love, um, as an actor, her strength in in portraying this character through it through its kind of coming of age. And what, but what really got me was like, because I when I found it, it was a remake. I had to go back and watch the 1942 one, which was obviously 1942 was much, much tamer. The only big thing in that one was the idea of the woman's sexual awakening. Now, in the 42 yeah. one, the focus was just on the woman. So it can come off as very, very misogynistic because the woman is the source of the terror and the woman is also the victim in this. So she's victimized and she's the kind of aggressor in this. So she's put in spotlight in all kinds of negative ways. And then she's blamed for her own condition in a kind of very subdued manner so it's not very that's why in this one they they brought in malcolm mcdowell and they did a brother sister relationship so that it would be equally the guy and the girl so but going back to the book itself and the book was written in 1930 1932 if i remember if i remember my dates correctly um i think it was the 1930s but uh i'm gonna get that date right it was a book that's all we know a bunch of words on pages guys Oh, anyhow, so, but with the the one thing that what the one thing that really really got me was the notion of 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 sex in American film in American films, especially this early on, was so heavily influenced by the kind of puritanical roots of our society of, of our American society. Obviously, there are many countries out there who will do horror films or who will do films that, and they will broach topics that we that we here in America are still leery of getting into. Have all the violence and gore you want. Have heads get smashed out. And people, you know, getting you know their guts written out like in you know Fulci Zombie and you know or like you know in like Dawn of the or uh, Night of the Living Dead and shit like that. But never, never, never display sex or an or a sexually aggressive female, especially in 1942, especially earlier than that. And that's the one thing that got me was, I think that, that stuff is still there in our films today. Really, truly sexually aggressive women are not portrayed as being normal. They're not normalized. There's always something about them to make them, to put them, you know, kind of outside. Like in this one, she turns into a cat. She turns into a, into a panther. There's always something to set them aside. 
And I wonder if we'll ever get, I wonder if we'll ever be able to get past that. That has actually been the Victorian puritanical thing has been one of the most influential things in American culture. So you had Queen Victoria, who was queen of England for most of the 1800s. And towards the mid to late 1800s after the Civil War, America wanted to be like England. And Queen Victoria was very, very prudish, behind closed doors. You you did not talk about sex. You did not do this. You did not do that. You had to wear all these garments and all. So kind of, despite how uncomfortable it is, this is the way things should be. And America oh, during the Reconstruction period corsets copied and, cor- that. Corsets and shit. Yeah. yeah uh, gotcha. And so – and America copied that. And, I mean, it was copied. We copied that hard, hardcore into the way people dress. That's why people all look at things in the early 1900s while everybody dressed for even poor people have top hats and bow ties and all this other kinds of stuff as they would walk around in the slums was because that was the way we wanted to be like England at the time and we still have not gotten over that. Still to... And, and even as Europe has progressed now, like Europe Europe sees sex as just a normal, normal part of life. Like it's just... Nudity is something that's just like, oh, it's just it's part of the human body now. We have not let go. <clears throat> yeah, t- titties, titties are just titties. Yeah. Titties are just titties. I mean, I think a lot of, you know, the sexual repression in films, I, I think Cat People was was one where we were starting to maybe head out of there. But when there was the whole AIDS epidemic in America in the mid-80s, that really squashed down the ability to make these sexual desire films. Like, nobody wanted to see that. And then... As the time progressed, they just kind of got swept under the rug, you know? That's just kind of what happened. Yeah, the, uh, the idea of open sexual, I know that that also really hurt movies like The Thing. Because the concept mm-hmm. that, you know, the person that you trust actually has something very, very dangerous inside of them. And then it could infect yep. you. And then, then uh, mm-hmm. and this idea, obviously, you know, the open sexual aggression, you know, the sexually aggressive, not not to a negative degree, but, you know, sexually open people. And whether it's, you know, this particular one's, you know, brother and sister in that respect, but a sexually dominant woman who is, or sexually independent woman who uh, can embrace that side of herself was, you know, and willing to sleep with you, that's dangerous. That, you know, has the hallmark, you know, like, you know, uh, is she being safe? Is she, you know, whatever. And we put those hallmarks. Of course, society always influences. Uh, we've always said that, you know, the horror films, the horror genre is a kind of barometer for what ails society. That yeah. that which we are dealing with and afraid of the time we can see on screen, we can de- deal with it cathartically or live, you know, maybe vicariously like Charles does with virtually everything he watches. Heck Yeah. I know how to party. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm not going to that party. Of, yeah, you, you were already there. Oh, I drugged you. I'm sorry. You don't remember. Well, it's all right. But, you know, these kind of movies like Cat People, I mean, I think this kind of movie that only Paul Schrader could have made. I mean, he was definitely open with his love of these, uh, you know, free sex and open desires of women. I mean, it's the guy who wrote Taxi Driver, for Christ's sake, did American Gigolo. I mean, he didn't. <laughs> He, he he knew what he wanted. He knew what he was going for. You know, I think his type of movies really died out in the 80s, too, with a lot of stuff going on in culture. He couldn't survive with those kind of films, and it made it kind of sad. It is yeah, about, cause... I mean, it's something that pretty much got relegated to, to Cinemax, to late-night Cinemax, and spe- specific areas where you could go through, you know, like the, the channels that were all uh, scrambled 
the scrambled channels that you could we, we could <laughs> you'd be like i can see one <laughs> that we just need There's to just, oh my god i think it's a nipple oh my god <laughs> it's all like wavy and like four colors yeah. you're like yeah do it girl che- do it che- checking with your parents checking to make sure they're not coming at you like, oh man so yeah what are you watching son ghostbusters nothing <laughs> turn it off <laughs> what were we gonna say eugene <laughs> i got nothing after that <laughs> come on you can follow that <laughs> you're right go ahead come on oh Tony. Yeah, so the introspective oh. sexual culture in the americas of the 1980s. it all surrounds ghostbusters guys it's the most sexual movie ever made ghostbusters all right There's, that's all i got oh let's see tony regime says need oh yes because he mentioned tony regime was talking about when are they going to make a good lovecraftian hp lovecraft movie and actually, um, there's three I could recommend off the top of my head. I recommend it too. The Void and Color Out of Space and Black Mountainside. All three of those are amazing Lovecraftian horror films. Well acted, well written, very, very strong. And then, of course, he said, yes, need that cage rage. You must have the cage rage, especially if you're doing H.P. Lovecraft. I think nowadays, at this point in his career, where he's making every movie that comes his way, like every single one, um, I think H.P. Lovecraft is where Cage is going to shine because, you know, German expressionism is his thing, wild, crazy cosmic dread and cosmic horror that, that lends itself to it. And he also said, take that back. Titties are awesome. Titties are awesome. They are. But titties are titties. I mean, in, in England or in Europe, I could say titties are titties. Nobody gives a fuck. But here in America, it's like, ah! So people freak out. You're talking about titties, you dirty son of a bitch. Oh, that's a body part. How dare us? <laughs> I well, had just forgotten I had those. Why did you remind me? <laughs> and that'll be all for Titty Weekly. Join in next week because we talk about titties and you. <laughs> and uh, Clockwork Rex said uh, Skinamax. So he is so no. Well, Skinamax is the nickname given to the uh, cable channel Cinemax because mm. you know you know when I was growing up there was the three big ones. There was Showtime, Cinemax, and HBO, and. Uh, all three of them specialized in kind of like the the sultry erotic shit you going on. You had like Red Shoe Diaries and stuff. You know, early David Duchovny if you want to check it out. But um, skin, skin, we call it Skinamax because they had the most. You know, like just you know soft core. We're talking soft core shit. It's pretty much yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's it's soft soft core porn. Yeah, I mean basically soft it would come porn. on. It comes on at like eleven o'clock to midnight, and that's. It was the most you can get away on an actual TV. Oh, oh yes. And yes. Yeah. Um, oh, and Anna says, I used to love Sexomax. <laughs> Which is another, I think is another good one to be a way to put it. Sigourney Weaver was hot. Sexomax. Sexomax. Sexomax uh, 9000 now with more sex. <laughs> this robot was this robot was programmed to fuck you in the mouth. <laughs> now sexier than ever before. I will fuck your mouth. Thank you. And choke me. Okay. And they, and they says Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver was hot. Yes, Sigourney Weaver was hot. Um, I am uh, not Sigourney a Weaver. Jessica G. I am not a sexist pig. Give me yeah, a, you are. Give you, me a break. You sexist. Pig, not in you. public. <laughs> <laughs> and Travis Brown says Nick Cage was in a Five Nights at Freddy's movie. Yes, he was. He was in Willy's Wonderland. Which, by the oh, way, God. oh yeah, Willy's Wonderland. I liked Willy's Wonderland. I don't care. That oh, movie was fantastic. It was no, amazing. Movie. It was amazing. Yeah. And Willie's and we and our recent bloodbath debate, we pitted mm-hmm. Willie's Wonderland versus the Banana Splits in a fight to the death. 
Oh, Willy's Wonderland wins. So, uh, so if you want to find out who won in that battle, you'll get the episode. Uh, our patrons get the episodes early, or you can wait uh, till it goes on Anchor, where you can then listen to it there. But early access to all of our patrons. Check it out. The link is in the description. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, it's a, so, it's a good so, one too. So, it's Charles, Charles, you think? So, you think uh, you say Willy's Wonderland? Willy's, Willy's Wonderland wins that, right? I I do. I mean, I've seen them both, and. I, I like the idea of, of Banna Splits actually being based on something real. That made it fantastic that it was yes. actually based on a 1960s show. But I don't know, it's just something about Willie's one of them. Nicolas Cage was perfection in that. The fact he doesn't speak, and he's just he's the most perfect character in that. Everything going on in it just made me so happy. And it's not because I was really drunk when I watched it. It was really, really good. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, Alex says, I'm answering the trivia question. Unfortunately, Alex... You're exempt. Uh-oh. Because you work for us. He's a cheater. We, uh, <laughs> exactly. We can't I'm waiting cheat. for a no The pop-up in the chat. We him. can't have you cheat. We can't have you cheat. Yeah. Every time you cheat, somebody has to watch another one of these incestual movies, all right? So... <laughs> Save the children for us, please. Well, for God's uh, sakes, think of the children. That's one of the big things that I wanted to jump on, especially with a movie like Cat People. And the idea that, you know, I think we can all agree. Sex and horror pretty much go together just like chocolate and peanut butter. The two go hand in hand. And I think that it's that they're, especially in America, that they're both, because, you know, if you think about it, it was just looking at it. A lot of J-horror, a lot of K-horror, a lot of uh, Russian mm-hmm. horror, too. You know, a lot of these countries, sex is not really that huge in their horror films. You know? Yeah, it's non-existent. And you know, yeah. you, there may be some stuff, like you know, if you watch stuff like you know, Tetsuo the Iron Man, you know, where it's a commentary on just the, the Japanese man. But you really don't see a lot of it because it's not taboo. But here in America, sex and horror, I mean, I mean you look at the entire, the entire slasher genre. Is all about the virtuous, you know, the the final girl being virtuous and you know being you know clean and pure and being able to overcome the evil because she is the one who is clean and pure, and the taboo nature of it, the taboo nature of the two, that that which scares us and that which you know, you know it's pretty much that which scares us, you know, because we you know people are terrified of you know vaginas and penises, and of course you know scary movies, you know, we're terrified of killers or monsters, or like, and we put the two of them together and they work so well, and it makes a That's very cool. oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's why I've kept myself pure all these years. <laughs> why Why do I not believe you? <laughs> I'm so pure. I'm going to be the final girl, all right? I just want to be pure. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry, whenever I think of that, I just think of Udo Kier and Andy Warhol's Dracula. They must be pure, the girls. <laughs> I just realized I totally forgot to put the, the movie posters up. But now they're up now. That's okay. But I wanted to digress. I wanted to go a little bit into this. The idea of sex and horror in America is it's it's unique the way the the way we take on it. Do what do you guys think? You think that will ever change? Do you think we'll ever do like that or where we may see a separation of the two and just horror for horror's sake will that lend itself new things or are we so ingrained with you know with uh, with um I would say could you know conjoining the two? Uh, I think it's going to be a real, real... We probably won't see a change in our lifetime. It'll probably take a couple generations because it's so ingrained 
even even and, with the advent of elevated well, what they call elevated horror we call it intelligent horror but elevated horror like movies like midsummer mid movies like you know hereditary movies that can really scare the shit out of you and never go near the sex topic and because you, you can have that and that's it and trends will keep going as trends do but we will i mean slasher films have they'll be in a limelight dip down they always come back in it and i mean we're we're great even growing up you watch a film and it could be oh for good people, good college people, but those two had sex, so they deserve to die because that's just you know, how horror films work. And it's just sex is still so taboo in our culture today that I, mean, I, I don't even think it's as taboo. It's it's almost like everybody is desensitized enough with the with all the access to internet, phones, everybody has. I think the ideal of sex to people isn't. Has taboo as it was 30, 40 years ago. People are like, oh, look, there's titties. Now people see titties, they're like, I see titties all the time on my phone. <laughs> I don't care about no titties. <laughs> That's just how I feel. Uh, Tony Regime actually says Italian horror has a lot of sex in it. Um, I agree. Uh, uh, Gallo films, that that the, the Gallo genre, the yellow genre, very, very much uh, played on all things that were just, you know, like seedy, like seedy and dark and underground, that, that whole kind of thing. But I think it's different here in America, where I don't think in Italy, uh, especially Italian filmmakers, Italian, I don't think that you know individuals or filmmakers over there really looked at it as sex being so taboo that it's in the same category as someone trying to stab you to death. You know that it doesn't yeah. have that level of taboo nature. I don't think. Uh, I think over there. I think they simply used it because it's tawdry. It's tawdry. People like to look at it, and if someone's going to die. We might as well watch people fucking, or might as well watch some titties, yeah. or something of that nature, just because it really it, it's cemented in the genre. That's what the genre was. If you go back to, um, there was an old pulp, the the old pulp uh, detective novels in the nineteen twenties were very much full of this type of shit. Really, really, really dark. You know, the stuff that you you wouldn't admit to anyone that you read, but they were out there. You could buy them, you know, buy them for five cents. These are you know, are the dime stores. And we're talking, you know, really, really dark stuff, really extreme stuff that you think in the 1920s people wouldn't do. But yeah, it was out there, but still no. taboo. Yeah, I just in Italy, it's just more of an open, open culture thing. Yeah, like it's just mm -hmm. something. Like I said, when in terms of like nudity in films, like to them, it's just like, oh, no big deal. Just oh, this is this is what uh, the film has, and here you have nudity clauses and contracts this, all this stuff is negotiated even before an actor signs on so it's like okay you have your nudity clause you have your stunt yeah. person yeah. you have all this like, all these preparations there's people in film that actually make a living choreographing sex scenes and that's like their entire job to make sure like i have nothing slips they make sure the actors, <laughs> what, those yeah, good angles they have this, like, make sure okay it looks just and yeah that's their entire job is to go and do that Whereas in Europe, it's just like, okay, we have a sex scene. Okay, boom. Take your clothes off. We're going to do it this way. And then you just roll with it. Gotcha. Yeah. That's always how it kind of felt. Like like you were saying that in the Italian movies and Euro movies, it's just like, you know, it's it just feels like in those films, it's, it's just like a natural progression of the story. Like, well, this is what's going to happen. So just do it. And they're like, all right, cool. They do yeah. it. And then it's not that big of a deal. But here, like you're saying, it's just, oh my gosh, he's going to take off her shirt. It's so, it's so seedy. Like, no, it's, it's, it's just life. <laughs> just yeah, happens. What was it? They, they would, what was that? Um, it was in Scream. It was like, ah, uh, ah, uh, you know, like gratuitous. Uh, he's like, come on. And then boom, shows his, ah, titties. <laughs> and I'm like, 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, let me, let maybe me you this. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You did. All right. I wanted to ask the audience real quick. So, um, given uh, Cat People is a Malcolm McDowell film, I want to ask the audience. The live chat. Let us know there, and let us know in the in the comments, or hit us up at weekendhorror at gmail.com. Uh, what is your favorite Malcolm McDowell horror film? He's done a lot, so what is your favorite Malcolm McDowell horror film? We would like to know. Definitely send us those emails if you can, because Alex reads them, and you know, after today, it may—I mean, he may not want to be on the show anymore. He may be mad at me. I, so I, I feel so show. bad. I, I love He's you, gone. Alex. We love you, Alex. You are the man. Oh, I, I, I wonder if he's even still in the chat. At no, he Alex. quit. No, no, he's still there. He's still there. He he's just gone. hasn't been talking. Because <laughs> he's so sad. Live Ricky Bell. Live alone. <laughs> I fucking love that. <laughs> oh, Travis Brown says, I fell asleep on the Gallo stream on Frightmare. I know. He you. told me that. Ouch. I was like, well, why don't you... I was like, why don't you just go fuck yourself, Travis, huh? How about you do that? <laughs> I think I just blew up my fucking mic. Oh, that's fucking hilarious. Yo, yo, that that right there. Okay, I respect Charlie. Or I, I respect Charles even more now. Because he just told one of his best patrons to go fuck himself. <laughs> that's when you know you've made it. That's, that's fucking trust. That is trust right there. That's trust. Hey. It's trust. Our primary screw squad. We're we're trusted. We'll tell each other to go fuck ourselves if we need to. <laughs> well, I still love you. That's a that that is awesome. And we love all of our patrons. You all are freaking amazing. And so it's. I'll tell you what. It's so awesome to see so many new faces in here. I love seeing new faces in the live chat. It's freaking great. All right. Um. Shit. We've got one more movie. Oh God. Now for something completely different. For something completely different. I had to. We talked about so much sex, and I already know that Jessica G is going to make a freaking TikTok about all the times I said titties. That, that's going to be in there as well. Titties. So uh, it's like titties, titties. titties. Yeah, whatever. But I, I figure I'd swerve off and do something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, probably one of the best films made in the 2000s. So I can't wait. <laughs> so excited. I was so amped about this. That I was sweating. I was so excited to get to it and talk about it. I was, I was as Eugene would say, percolating. I was soaking wet, <laughs> just moist, leaking. I was leaking. I was moist, just moist, <laughs> And half the chat. I'm talking about this chair is damp, like like full on damp. <laughs> no, do not say that, Jessica G. Jessica G. I love seeing new faces, especially if they show me their titties. Jail Warren, twenty twenty. Don't you dare misquote me, woman. <laughs> no, you, you know what she's doing. She's typing it out so you read it, and then she yeah. keeps saying it. Oh fuck me, running. <laughs> fuck me. I sure out. enjoy titties. I really want to see titties. I love titties. <laughs> That's the whole show. I totally fell for it. Yeah, you fell for what? I fell into the, that. That's the trap. She'll because because she put it up there. She knows I'll read it, and then I'll read it, and then she has her soundbite. That's it. Hmm. I'm so fu- I'm so fucked. master. <laughs> <laughs> She's laughing menacingly now, like a Bond villain. She's like, <laughs> I have him on the titty talk. <laughs> you will now be mine. <laughs> I know everything I need. I'm not going to tell you my plan, Mister JL. I I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I must have all the titties. <laughs> all the titties. 
Bring them in a room and line them up. I will hit them with my pies. <laughs> I was, I'm assuming that's some sort of a James Bond movie that was made. There was some sort of pie throwing titty scene, right? I'm assuming that's one of the movies. That's one of the Sean Connery ones. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, God, forever, that one. See, Clockwork Rex, got to, Clockwork Rex has got to let a beer out so I can put another one in. Be right back. I hope everything comes out all right. Yep. I stopped drinking beer and I moved to just drinking the canned whiskey and colas because you get really shit faced really fast. <laughs> <laughs> Bypass the middle man. <laughs> yeah. I just go straight downhill to, all the way. No looking back. All right. There's Eugene, no yesterday. What do we all have? Right. What do we have up next? Or last. What do we have up so next? So our last film we have The Curse of El Charo, which was released. April 3rd, 2005. It was directed by Rich Ragsdale, and it stars Danny Trejo, Drew Mia, Andrew Berinsky, Catherine Taylor, and Heidi Andral on it. And basically, in a nutshell, you have Maria, the main character, who has these visions about her sister's death, and her and her friends go to Mexico to go figure out what's going on in these visions, and they come across a crazy killer, and shit happens. <laughs> shit gets well, real. <laughs> you know, I, I, I once had the curse of El Charo after too much Mexican food, you know? It was bad. <laughs> It was really bad. El Charo got me good. Was it as was it as bad as this movie? <laughs> no. <laughs> this is one of those movies where you watch it and you're like, how did this, not only how did this shit get made? How was this distributed by Paramount for one? That's <laughs> top of that. That's a curious thing. Who, uh, I am curious who read this script and decided to dump two hundred thousand dollars on this bad boy. And then when they were done, looked at the finished product and went, "Yep." This is the one, guys. We're ready to go. Can it? This is it. Moving on. This is it. <laughs> this is the next cinema. Kane. <laughs> Straight to DVD at Walmart, guys. We're ready to party. Oh, ouch. Ouch. That was uh, that was the big thing that I wanted to chat about on this one. Now, because the reason I I mean, the, the reason I first watched it was because, you know, you got Andrew Bernarski and you've got Danny Trejo. And Danny Trejo is the voice of El Charo. But Andrew Bernarski, if that is just a huge fucking dude. I think he was, um, oh, he was uh fucking uh damn it he was jason in freddy versus jason it's a big freaking dude was he was he in freddy versus jason was that the one or no he was he was he was a leatherface leatherface that's right that's right sorry my apologies he was leatherface i get it i I do get it mixed up it was the he was also in batman returns he was he was uh he was christopher walken's son oh wow that's wild Oh yeah, <laughs> I did not know. I did not realize that he was I, Chip. I, he was Chip in Batman Returns. Yeah, it's hilarious. He's Christopher oh, Walken. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> oh yes. Oh, thank you very much. I just much. blew your thank fucking you. mind, didn't I? You did. You actually did. And because you did, I forgot to change the poster. <laughs> and so the poster. Don't is change changed. it. Don't change no, it. I have to change it. Thank you, Alex, for having my back and reminding me. <laughs> and Travis Brown says Charles <sighs> has the curse of El Diablo on eating too many ghost peppers. Oh. Uh. That's happening. Yeah, that does happen. That's happened a lot, actually. But the, I mean, I was <laughs> obviously rough, drawn right? to it. Danny Trejo. I'm a big, big fan of Danny Trejo. Um, and I love Danny. And Andrew Bernarski is a big intimidating dude. He make a he can make a good a good slasher villain. He's just fantastic. And man, I was not disappointed by all of the formulaic horror stereotypes that this movie that they had this movie. I think they hit every single one. 
Oh god. They had slashes for dummies, the book. They were like, all right, guys, page three. We do this. <laughs> page three, Let's... college girl. Page four, big killer. road trip. <laughs> yeah, road trip. Page uh, five. Uh, Danny Trejo. It's like, all right. We got a ball. My number script. <laughs> like I love Danny, but I'm just like, oh, I feel so bad because they really hyped up starring Danny Trejo. He's not in this damn movie. It's just his voice. Because that's all they got. That's all they got. That's marketing wise. Who the fuck cares about anybody else in the film? We we got Danny Trejo. I'm pretty sure they sent Trejo a script and he read it in like 46 minutes. It was like, all right, get my check. I'm out. Bye. (laughs) He probably just he probably just phoned in his part. He didn't even go to the studio. Probably. He was like, hey, could you read these like 20 lines? Just like Jessica G is doing with JL right now. Could you read these 20 lines? Cool, we got it. I'm not falling for it again. I, I love Danny. You know, we had Danny on our show last year, and he's such a great guy to talk to, but he'll even tell you he's not one to he's not one to turn down a role. I don't blame him because I mean if they paid me to be in this movie, I'd be like, hell yeah, let's do it. I'm in the curse yeah. of El Charo. <laughs> let's roll. I, I mean, would, you're not you're not wrong. I would I would absolutely <laughs> love to have Danny on the show. My wife actually got to meet him very briefly. Um, she was she was working for Eddie V's, and he happened to pop in to have dinner one night. He was a he was in town here in uh, down in uh, in uh, in uptown in Dallas, and he just happened oh, cool. to come. You know, he just happened to come in that night. And, you know, he was wearing you know he was walking in Eddie V's wearing freaking wife beater and uh, and Jinkos. Or you know I would say like jorts. He was wearing jorts. He comes in. He's like, "Yeah, he's got his crew with him. They all sit down to eat." And then he like says, "Okay, I'll be right back. I'm gonna go across the street and check out this gym." Um, he, apparently, he's super, super cool, dude. So I'm totally envious that you got to hang out with him and uh, and talk with him. I hope one day that we can get to that point where we can have some of you know, the the larger um, actors and actresses on the show. I think that will be a lot of fun, especially for a live audience. Um, man, oh man, nothing in this movie that I could that I could. Nothing. <sighs> the, pro- nothing? The, the, prob- the problem was the problem was every like all virtually every single scene. It's it, it all it did was reinforce that this was a quick horror cash grab. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So every single one, it was kind of like, ah, oh, this this movie was made to be in the Walmart bin for five ninety nine when you're when you're like running through the giant piles and ooh, what could I possibly find? The Curse of El Charo with Danny Trejo. Holy shit! This and sounds then, good. Exactly. You know, it's 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 it was it was made to be in that bin. It, it, I want to point out the fact that this has probably the most emo 2005 scene I have <laughs> ever. Seen I know what you're talking guy. about too. Yeah, when he's singing, how it's like to slip my wrist if it'll make me love you. It looks like from uh, My Chemical Romance, and I'm just like, <laughs> oh my God, this is maybe like- this was a My Chemical Romance video. Maybe this whole thing was. <laughs> it could have been. It could have been like, hey, we got this band coming up. They have a song called Helena. Uh, could you shoot a feature so they could sample your work to see if you can shoot the music video afterwards? Oh my God, you Heck really, yeah. you really could cut those. Just, just cut it directly out of this movie. And then yeah. just, just intersplice it with scenes of the band playing. You yeah. really could. Oh, that is, oh, that's fucking, I didn't even realize that. So you're I, telling me there's a way that we could salvage this movie. Right. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm out. Wild. But, you know, I wanted, I, I did want to take a look at it. I mean, obviously, 
cheap or cheap or is a quick horror cash grabs. I mean, they're a staple of the genre. You know, horror is one of the fastest you can fastest things you can churn out. Every single major actor yeah. that's out there, every A lister out there has been in a horror film. Jennifer Aniston got her start in Leprechaun. Um, obviously, Anthony Hopkins did *Into uh, the Lambs*. Before that, he did *Magic*. You know, every single person out there has done a horror film in the beginning. That's where you start. I mean, you can even see George Clooney and Laura Dern in *Grizzly* too. So that's what it is. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna get these, and I think they're a lot of fun. I just wish. I think this is a bad example of them. I, sometimes they're trashy fun, and I like trashy fun. You know, just like you know, a, a good time waster. I do dig that. And then occasionally you get like, you know, an, uh, an A-lister yeah. in there who's just kind of like, you know, I needed a paycheck because I bought, you know, I just sent my kid to college and I just needed, you know, something quick to, to add in there. And that's cool. I dig that. You know, it's, it's like whatever. But this one was just all kinds of, it was, I found, I, I thought it was lazy filmmaking. It was uninspired. Yeah. I didn't get the sense that anybody wanted to be there. It was just, you know, reading like, I mean, I, I think the, uh, I haven't seen such wooden performances since Hayden Christensen and Jumper. My yeah. Jumper was like one of the best movies. What are you talking about, man? Jumper was amazing. Look at all those beautiful I'm special gonna, effects that were in Jumper. I'm going to jump out this window. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on! Don't 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 steer this to Jumper. Now we're going like, to stay on track. <laughs> well, I mean, no I mean but, but come on, Hayden Christensen, I could replace him with a spoon. With a giant wooden stir spoon, and it would be the it would he, probably be was better. he ever good at anything he did? He was never good at anything he did. I don't care. I it's think no. no well, well, there was a gang movie he was in where, where or where he was a supporting role. Like was it called the the Curse of Non El Charo? No, Is actually, that what it's no, no, no. You know what movie I know he was good in? He was Nothing. good. He was good in the Mouth of Madness. <laughs> That's it. He was good in that one. Paperboy on bike. It was Paperboy. That was it. Paper, yeah. Just, just Paperboy on bike. Three fucking lines. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> no, see, the, uh, see, the thing is, is you talk about, we talk about the B rated horror films, and there are a bunch of great B rated horror films, but you can, there's, there's, I mean, there's so many out there. And I felt like with this film, this film tried to be one of those fun B-rated films, except no one was having fun. Like you have to have a certain element of like fun, yeah. and especially you talk about like on set, you have to have a great you, you, the the energy and the performance comes out that way, and people, hey, we're going to have fun, and we're just going to turn out something, and it would be like a cult classic. And this was just like it was a paycheck. Everybody was like, okay, I'm just going to try to knock this over with, and hopefully, no one will ever see it, and then it'll just get buried somewhere. And then here we are in a podcast talking about it. Well, yeah. I, mean, I mean, yeah. I definitely like to hear. I'd like to understand more, like behind the the making of this, because I mean, I don't think you you ever know, set out to make a movie like this. I mean, I don't know if the director was trying to maybe make some shitty throwback to the old grindhouse horror movies of thirty years ago that were bad but still enjoyable. But this is this is definitely not not that. You know, I didn't even get that. I didn't, I didn't even get that feel from it. I really didn't. But okay, but you actually brought up an interesting point. You bring up an interesting point because. Like uh, the movie Knights of Bad Aston. Okay, one of my favorite. I really, really enjoyed that film. But we all know that that movie was horribly macheted by, by E and by uh, by E One Entertainment. They fucked that movie up. They cut it for the lowest common denominator and they threw it out. And it was just a waste. The Joe Lynch version of that movie, the director's cut of that movie, is apparently just absolutely fucking stellar. It's one of the. Uh, it's amazing. Kurt Russell. I read an interview. With Kurt Russell said that he saw it before it released, and in his opinion, it was it was greater than Ghostbusters. 
um, that's pretty. That's a pretty high bar to clear, and I would yeah. love to be able to see that. But unfortunately, the studio steps in. They bought the movie outright. Joe didn't have any say. He didn't have final cut. They hacked the movie up to death, and then they released it. And you know, it was okay. It's enjoyable. It's fun, but it's not what we'd expect from Lin- from Joe Lynch. It really is not. Yeah. So the question is, in this particular one, what was left on the cutting room floor? What didn't we get to see? What was cut for time? What was, you know, I mean, maybe they, they had such a low budget. What was in the script that they didn't get to shoot? Now, I've worked with Eugene on sets before. And uh, I've, I've, you know, I've been involved in the industry uh, in one, in one, one uh, form or another for going on about 23 years now. So I'm feeling kind of like Dale, you know, David De La Roca. I haven't gotten my break yet. But in that respect, I understand that sometimes you have shit you want to do and you don't get to do it. Or sometimes you have shit you want to do and it just doesn't come out just quite right. Or the tone doesn't match the rest of the film. Or time, or running time. You just got to cut that shit down. And you lose stuff. And I'm always curious, especially in a film that I can find virtually no redeeming qualities in. Even in the, even in the kills. Eh. Yeah. I want to know what was left out. What didn't get into the movie? And sometimes, and I'm always terrified. What if nothing got cut out? What if this was all there was? <laughs> this is all they had. Well, see, and this is why I like one of my favorite quotes about David Fincher is the sign of a good director is when you have five shots scheduled and you only have time to do two. And yeah. that's where you come, okay, well, this is the what I have to do to still get the story to tell the proper way. And so, and that's what, that's what separates the good filmmakers. I can adjust on the fly. I can still get the tone I want. I can still get the vision I want. And I have to cut shots, cut time, edit, anything like that. It can still come through, but minus studio interference. This one, like, I didn't even feel like a studio. And sometimes you can tell the studio interference. I just didn't feel this one because at least people would have been having fun on set. And then it just got chopped up. So it just looked really bad imposed okay. yeah versus like yeah. everybody looked miserable it was probably a paycheck it was probably some director who didn't even like the script and maybe it was under contract but no you have to do this film or the director had a kid on the way and was like fuck i gotta pay the bills this is the only thing greenlit so fuck i'm gonna do it anyway on it yeah. that, that's the feel i got off of it definitely maybe if we go back and add in some laugh tracks to this movie it'd be great just turn it into a comedy Let's do that. <laughs> like some 1950s style laugh tracks during some scenes. The people would be like, this is great. Be like, yeah, I told you. Oh, you can, de- you can definitely MST3K this thing. Yeah. Oh, easily. <laughs> Why is it not already? It should be. It should be. There should be a riff tracks on this movie. All right, that's what we're doing. Yeah, riff tracking it. For whatever, for whatever it's worth, you know, quick you know, quick horror cash grabs are, you know, they're here to stay. I mean, I mean, sometimes occasionally you get a gem, you know, something that you know, would have slipped by. I've discovered many decent ones where I was kind of like, oh, yeah, what, what could this possibly be? And I thought, I was like, wow, they, they really, yeah, the, the actors did their jobs. They really gave solid performances. The writing is pretty solid in here. I can see where they try, you know, they're being creative and trying something new. The director took risks. You know, he really went for something there. And, you know, I, you know, I found it in the bargain bin. But holy shit, this really got past people. Um, there's mm-hmm. been, I mean, I found many a movie. In that, but you know, I've waited through a, a, a sea of shit in order to find those little gems, those little <laughs> those little pearls. <laughs> was one of those was one of those pearls Blair Witch Two? Is that one of your favorite ones? 
<laughs> My only You're like, like nobody understands that movie but me. It's so fantastic. <laughs> there's only two good uh, there's a really only two good things about Blair Witch 2. One, Jeffrey Donovan who is fucking amazing. A wholly underrated actor. He was Michael Weston in Burn Notice, one of the one of the best shows ever on television. Him and him and Bruce Campbell. Hell, him and Bruce Campbell working together. That's amazing right there. I'm a big fan of Jeffrey Donovan and then of course um Kim Diamond. Or Kim Director. You know what, Kim, Kim Director, you know what yes. The, the best thing about Blair Witch 2 was the uh the walk the out of the credits. theater. The walk out the end of- credits. <laughs> <laughs> I saw those end credits come on and I was like, yes, I made it. I'm out. Yeah, Woo! So it's in the same I think I had a friend say the same thing about wrong turn. About the first wrong turn. It's like the only wrong turn that was made was me walking into the fucking theater. <laughs> uh, well, it's better than uh, the Curse of El Charo. <laughs> yeah. Tony, yeah. Re- Tony Regime says, give it the what's up, Tiger Lily treatment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Yes, definitely. So, yeah. So this this is actually I want to ask the audience. If you're talking about quick cash grabs, does fast horror cash grabs erode the genre it, does horse the horror genre itself suffer every time one of these fast cash grabs come out and so let us know in the comments below shoot us an email at weekendhorror at gmail.com and because there are a ton more horror films come out than any other genre by like a long shot and do yeah. most of those detract from the genre because most of them never get seen they never get heard or anything like that because most of them are pretty bad do, do these films detract from, detract from the genre, or is it just the good ones stand up and the ones we remember are the good ones? Or the ones that are so bad, they, they're still funny, and we just like to watch them anyway. <laughs> there are so many horror, like you're saying. I mean, it even surprises me sometimes when I pull up, like, a random year, like, oh, let me look what came out in 2019, and I'll see... Well, for some reason, this is telling me there's 300 horror movies in 2019. I'm like, I don't know 287 of these. Like, what is, <laughs> what's going on? Who is making these things? And why who's can't... making? Who's making Boo? It's a scary ghost part four. I'm like, who's making all this? <laughs> and why, are the why, first three? And why are they? Why are they funding my shit? <laughs> like, why? Why did this cost six hundred thousand dollars to make? What's happening with this world? Let's see what we got here. Clockwork Rex says, meh, not really. Doesn't think that they erode the genre at all. Ricky Bell says, B-horrors are my favorites. And I know that I do have a special place in my heart for the for just straight B-horror. And Tony Regime says, the good ones stand out. They really, really do. And Clockwork Rex, yes, horror is an acquired taste. It really, really is. Unless you're born with it, you know. <laughs> yeah, we, I, think I don't mind. I don't mind B-horror, but when it starts traveling further down the alphabet... <laughs> Got some problems. <laughs> See, Jin Ju says they hurt the director producer more than the genre, and I think sometimes they can that's hurt, true. I that think could, sometimes yeah. sometimes they can hurt the actor. Um, I think yeah. sometimes even when they're good, they can hurt the actor even more. So, dude, yeah, we have Karen Blackwood, you know, ah. you, know you know, rest in peace. You get uh, pigeonholed. Karen Black yep. said the same thing that her career took a turn that she did not intend after Trilogy of Terror. But hell, man, Karen Black, she was kick ass. Yeah, the girl could do no wrong. She was. She was like she was a cool lady. She she did the our convention one time, and I got to have some fun conversations with her. But yeah, I wish we could have seen a lot more from her before she passed. Yeah, you know, what a what a fantastic yeah. actress she was. Let's see, Anna Anna says the older Wrong Turn was so bad I can't honestly remember anything about it. <laughs> I, I uh, there's some things I remember. Uh, I mean, 
Yeah. Yeah. Wrong turn's a weird one because I hear people who love wrong turn, like people like live and die by the first couple of wrong turns. Other people just absolutely hate it. I'm just kind of like, eh, it's a movie. It existed. It's there. I, I think I think wrong turn one and two were okay. I didn't like how each film suddenly felt like we have to one up the crazy shit in the last one. Like we've got yeah. to go for the I mean, but you know, by the time you get to part six, you've got them like, you know, a girl get you know, there there was there was a sex scene in the middle of like this obviously an altar like this is an altar for sacrifice people we're gonna have sex on it and so they're butt-ass naked having sex and then they then they hillbilly creatures you know the, the inbreds come in and then grab her legs and then bend like that and rip her fucking legs <laughs> off and shit and i'm like okay guys really really at this point but hey you know whatever what you know what the fuck uh jail says hey, uh I'm- and and he says what was that one with paris hilton that would be house of wax yes house of wax yeah her, uh, her death was the best part of that film yeah. <laughs> i actually have that on vhs here <laughs> should watch it let's put it in <laughs> so would uh so the best part of that was paris paris hilton getting impaled in the head yeah whose ideal was it to put paris hilton in a movie that's when you know you have connections you're like um yeah i want to be like in a big budget like hollywood horror movie they're like okay let's put you in one okay i'm done now and then watch you ferociously <laughs> die i did anybody did anybody catch the paris hilton getting impaled in the head that that joke that, that joke didn't play I know what you did. I know what you did. I don't oh. remember which which wrong term was Henry Rollins in. I know Henry Rollins in was one of them. Uh, he was in two. Was, he, sec- he was, in, was two. he in two? Yeah, he was yeah. The, I just uh, remember that was the best part about that movie. I was like, Henry Rollins is in this. Well, now it's good. I was like, shit, let's watch it. You have my attention now. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that it, it is about time for the trivia. Oh, yeah. For the trivia question, yes. And this week, we are giving away an official Week in Horror Season 2 shirt. We've given away so much of the limited edition shirts, but I want to give away a, an official Season 2 t-shirt direct from our Teespring. We have gotten magnificent... Hey, Catnip Entertainment, good to see you. We've gotten amazing feedback on our Teespring shirts, that they are absolutely incredibly comfortable. They're absolutely comfortable, amazing to wear, and they hold up in the wash. So really, really great t-shirts. We're going to give you an official Season 2 Weekend Horror shirt. If you go to our Teespring, link is in the description. You can find our limited edition number two shirt, our second limited edition shirt, which will not be on the store in the store for long. That store with uh, that shirt will be coming out at the end of April. Mm-hmm. At the end of April, April 30th, there will be no more limited edition uh, number two shirts. And we will debut limited edition shirt number three. You should just jump straight to four. Just, just skip just over to three. Fuck with people. <laughs> just to fuck with people. If they ask about number three, just just ignore them. Be like, oh, you missed uh, it. Sorry, you missed oh, it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All but right. Win. So time, time for a trivia question. And up for grabs. And up for grabs. An official weekend horror season two shirt. What legendary actor holds the current record for number of on-screen deaths? First correct answer in the live chat. What legendary actor holds the record for number of on-screen deaths? Let us know in the live chat. First answer correct wins an official Week in Horror Season 2 t-shirt. Is it Clark Gable? It is not Clark Gable. Damn. Close. Close. (laughs) There goes my life. Shit. See, we got here. We got here. Who's got the answer? And yes, you may use Google if you need to. But who has got the answer? 
Who's got the answer? No, Jessica G, it is not that word. I'm not saying it. You've got, <laughs> you've got enough. You've got is, it, is it Titty McTitson? <laughs> and Alex Peterson. That's my stage name. No, Barney was second. He's in second place. Well, at least in my mind he is. That's a that's a deeply terrifying show, Barney. Tony Ooh. says Tony Tony Regime says Christopher Lee close, not Christopher Lee, but he's on, he's in the top three, and boom, Ricky Bell says Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo holds the record for most on-screen deaths at yeah. 70, yeah. 76, I think. It's in the seventies. And counting, yes, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so yes, I think it's in his contract. I must die. Okay. Him and him and like him, him and Sean Bean. Yeah. Sean Bean always dead too. So yes, Stein. congratulations, Ricky Bell. I'm gonna put Congrats, that. Ricky. Sam Jackson was a good guess though. Yeah, that's a good guess. Mm-hmm. And congrats, Ricky Bell. You win our official trivia for the night. You get an official week in horror season two television uh television season two t shirt. <laughs> So, uh, Ricky, um, get us your shipping details. You can hit us up on Discord. Link is in the description. Or you can just email them to me, weekendhorror at gmail.com, and we will get your shirt printed and shipped to you immediately. So thank you so much. I'm, I'm, that, that, was, uh, that was awesome. And I, I, I think people were thinking about that one. They really were. I've got to come up yeah, with it. I'm trying to come up with at least challenging ones. I don't want to be, like, you know, too hard. You know, like... What affiliate? What affiliated non-related television show was this particular actor in? In Friday the Thirteenth Part Nine. Yeah, you, know, the, you, you get yeah. You know, the horror fans know where I'm going with that. But you know, I and yeah, Jinju says I'm surprised it's not Samuel L. Jackson. I think it's because the when he got killed by when he was eaten by a shark, it was just so like wow. We automatically put him up there. <laughs> that was a great death. That that really was. And and it's Sam Jackson was in like a million movies. That's like Ted Two. You know the black guy Jesus. in any movie? That's him. <laughs> that, that's him. God, you go back and watch his death in Deep Blue Sea with that shark. It's so comically bad. It's so bad. Um, well, the look on his face when he's like, oh, when he's going out backwards, like, oh, that shit was fucking hilarious. It, it's like horrible CGI. Like his body's all like elongated and you're like, what's going on? He looks like a rag doll. <laughs> what's happening awesome thank you ricky bell we will get your shirt to you asap all right man oh man okay all right well thank you charles for joining us for this episode of weekend horror do you have any social media or is there anything coming up that you'd like to let our audience know about yeah well i mean you guys can check us out at frightmarehq.com we're also on facebook at frightmarehq uh, we do have an event coming up April the 3rd for everybody in DFW, April the 3rd at Frightmare Collectibles in Justin, Texas. Uh, if you go to FrightmareCollectibles.com, you can get the information on that. But we're going to have uh, Felisa Rose from Sleepaway Camp, David Sheraton from Scary Movie will be joining us to sign autographs. And we'll have a lot of vendors there, horror vendors, just a lot of a lot of fun for us horror people. You know, we've been trying to do more in-person events, which is kind of hard with COVID. It's not easy, but we've been working them out, so... Feel free to join us, and yeah, it's great talking to you guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, and thank you so much for for joining us. It's, we lo- we love getting uh, industry guests on, those who have involved themselves so deeply into this genre that we love so much. So it has been an absolute blast. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, guys. And that brings another episode of Week in Horror to a close. Thank you all so much for listening, and we truly hope you enjoyed it. Join us next week. 
when we discuss Afflicted, The Ruins, Rabid, and Hush. We would like to send a special shout out to our incredible patrons who make this show possible. Jeff Roberts, Dark Steve, Commander Darklight, Sarcasm, Crafty Keela, Anthony Purcell, Gavlar, The Hand of Zod, Mike Barrett, Jessica G, N-A-N-A, Kyrie, Alexis S, and Jose Alalde. Thank you all so much for your continued support. You can visit us at weekinhorror.net where you can find links to all of our episodes, our bios, our merch store at Teespring, and of course, enter your email for a permanent entry to win a mystery horror shirt every single month. For more horror entertainment, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and we are now on Instagram. Followers get our daily splatter, a bit of horror info every single day right to your feed. You never know what movies you may discover. Now, we really hope you enjoyed this new live format. We'd love to get your feedback, especially on our new entries, which will be coming up, our Week in Horror Digital Darkness, which will be us playing horror video games and streaming them live. And not to mention, let us know what you think of our bloody cuts, which are segments of our podcast cut right out just for you. Just so you can get a little taste of it so you don't have to commit to the whole thing. We know you like to test the waters. But let us know what you think of those. We want your feedback. It helps us to improve. Subscribe to our channel. Smash that bell like a fucking zombie head for all the latest coming down the pipe. And lastly, if you truly love what we do here and you would like and are able to support our production, you can through our PayPal and our Patreon. We have patron tiers as low as $1 a month, less than a cup of coffee a month. Plus, for higher tiers, bonus and exclusive content, horror films every single month. We send you horror movies to our $10 patrons. Links to everything, including our Discord community, where you can find film recommendations, trailers, trivia games, interact with us directly, and even join us for film party for film watching parties, are all below in the description. Now, we know that these are trying times, and things are extremely tight. You know, the craziness is still going on out there. But, as always, simply liking and sharing this show to your local horror community is the best way to help us continue to grow. And we appreciate each and every one of you for your continued listenership. I am JL. And I'm Eugene. We will see you all next week. And as always, stay scared.